Happy New Year, everybody. This is the Rook and the Kid podcast. I'm your host, the Rook, and I'm joined by the analyst here. Uh, we're giving y'all the first Rook and the Kid episode of 2024. We're excited to get this new year off started with a bang. You know, we got a couple of fun things to play with here with the college football playoffs that just happened, another shot of the script edition. And then we're going to get into some playoffs uh, scenarios with the uh, playoff simulator predictor machine that they got on the on the damn computer out there on the internet. Um, and we've got the AFC matchups, NFC matchups, some important predictions there. And of course, tracking with the boys um, covering the Detroit game and the upcoming Washington game. And maybe play with some scenarios there after the Eagles lost to the Cardinals. But without further ado, if you are a first time listener to this podcast or you are a follower, just remember to like follow and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us across all different platforms, that being Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, um, Amazon, like you name it, we're there. You can just find us under Linktree on all of our bios and Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and TikTok on our Linktree. It'll be in all of our bios. You can find us anywhere on there. But so remember to like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast. We thank you for your support, and we are extremely grateful for the support we got in 2023. 2024 is going to be a booming year with a lot of new features and formats. Um, so we're excited for that. But the analyst joins us today for another breakdown of some fun, fun Russell Wilson stuff. And <laughs> we're here to shatter the script on basically the interpretation of Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Um, and if you haven't heard already what is going on, it's a pretty serious scenario um, regarding Russell Wilson's contract in Denver. So here's what's going on. Russell Wilson has a $37 million contract in 2025 that vests in March of 2024 for injury only. That is why they are benching him in, a, in avoidance of getting him injured. What the Broncos traded to acquire Russell Wilson, if you don't remember from two years ago, they acquired or they traded off two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-round pick, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, and Shelby Harris. Russell Wilson's career stats in Denver so far indicate 11-19 record, 30 games, 42 touchdowns, under 6,600 passing yards, a 90.9 rating, and 19 interceptions. You know, people are starting to ask, is this the worst contract? Let's trade in NFL history. Well, we don't know, but here we it's starting to look that way. But here's another update on what's going on with the Broncos and Russell Wilson. They threatened to bench Wilson weeks ago around the time they beat the Chiefs, uh, right when they kind of started their run, if he didn't remove his injury guarantees, and that's per uh, Schultz report on Twitter. Um, Russell Wilson's benching by the Broncos today is solely financially related and has been in the works for weeks. The Broncos approached Wilson two days after their October 29th upset win over Kansas City, like I mentioned before. The threat, however shocked Russell Wilson. Um, the two sides got into a major dispute on how to proceed. When the threat was made by the Broncos, the team, Wilson's camp, the NFLPA, and other unknown party uh, parties were involved in negotiations that ended with no change in Wilson's contract. And it all came crashing down today um, when Sean Payton and the other top-level members of the Denver's organization decided to go ahead with the plan they've had for weeks. This is big. You know, and this is honestly quite comical. And that was all for uh, per Dov Kleeman on Twitter. 
Um, I was kind of reading off of his posts. He had it pretty well organized there, but that's basically what's going on in a nutshell. Russell Wilson's a bozo. I mean, you know, it kind of explains why we've had on the sideline um, ass chewings by Sean Payton. Um, you can look, this is a clear, clear example of watching, looking at the box score and saying, but wait, Russell Wilson has like a three to one, you know, touchdown interception ratio. That may be the case, but if you watch him play, he's taking sacks when he's got a clear ass pocket. Um, he's not winning important games. This year has been pretty good. It reminds me of the Tua year with Brian Flores where they were bad to start, and then all of a sudden they won seven or eight straight games, and they ended up firing Brian Flores. But the analyst, I want to know your thoughts on what's been going on with this benching with uh, Russell Wilson. I know this is your favorite guy to talk about. Um, so what do you what do you see so far with, uh, with, with this scenario? I think it's interesting. You know, like this, this explains a lot about – and I was going to kind of touch on my two-minute drill, but this explains a ton – of what we talked about, you know, last podcast before Christmas, uh, I was listening back and we actually talked through a shotgun trip last time was, uh, you know, RG3 and Mike Vick talking about how they felt really, uh, Sean Payton was being a little harsh with, with Russ trust Wilson. But the thing is that um, it makes sense now, you know, they, they've been having these struggles and um, not too long after those conversations started, you know, Sean Payton came out on the podium and was basically like, like, I don't deal with this. This is all, you know, front office stuff, but you know, it's just, it's really weird. I was going to talk about it later that the NFL PA is getting involved. The NFL is getting involved. And uh, there's like a lot of talk about maybe a lawsuit being involved now because you're basically yes. breaching his contract and Russell Wilson, in his defense, yeah. does make a great point. He's basically came out and said, yeah, like, they're wanting me to waive my injury clause or his injury incentives where if he gets injured, he gets that guaranteed money. And he's like, I'm 35 years old. You know, I just want to play ball, but I can't waive that because, you know, football is such a tough game. And while I get that, you also need to look at, like, maybe how the Broncos are handling it. It's just a weird situation. There's not a ton of information out on it right now, but it plays a major factor in like, you know, think about it this way. <clears throat> it plays a major factor in how, you know, people that if they want to go play for the Broncos, they're going to look back at this and be like, y'all going to screw me on my like, contract. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, there's just so much to talk about in this area, but I see both sides. It's just real tough yeah. at this point for like, Sean Payton that walked in after this contract is given and the conversations that we've had about Sean Payton, you know, being Russell Wilson's coach and how I said on the podcast the last time that like, you know, he's always had uh, Drew Brees and now he's having to deal with Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson has his, you know, antics. Yeah. Antics. And, and so I, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's, it's very interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, um, it's not something you see every day in the NFL. So, yeah, and they already announced that they're going to release him in March uh, of this of this year. I guess now we can say. Um, so it'll is be that confirmed. I, I didn't know that was confirmed or not. I I think it is. I, I don't. I'm not sure if it's like confirmed, confirmed. But I saw that they had they are planning to do it. Even Russell Wilson put out a tweet saying like I'm I'm up for what's next. 
um, you know, God bless and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I think it is, but um, I guess don't quote me on that. There's a disclaimer here. Everything I say is false. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, go ahead. There's but, a, there, basically, there's just, it's a lot of what ifs. And there, there's been a lot of, like I've seen some stuff talking about where he would end up next. So I, I think they've, what I read is that they are going to look into trying to fix his contract. And if they can't, then they'll release him in March. Yeah. Yeah. But and on another note, the Broncos are already out of the playoffs. So right. now it's kind of like, rest your guys. Yeah. Right. There's no point. And the only thing I'll say about Russell is you're like, yeah, you know, I call him a bozo. At the same time, stuff like this isn't really funny business. You know, if, if they're breaching your contract and stuff, then you have every right to defend yourself. Um, and I hope that he gets what is fair to him. And I, if the Broncos are in the wrong, then they should be punished. Um, and if Russell Wilson's in the wrong, then he should be, you know, somehow punished, or, I guess, is the way to claim it. But, um, yeah, so that's your shot of the clip. We'll get more into it. Um, or your shot of the script. We'll get more into it in the two-minute drill from the analyst later on in the podcast. Now we have the college football semi finals and this is a big one because we've had you know alabama versus michigan sec versus big 10 and then you had uh the pack basically four um versus uh washington versus the university of texas um and honestly i thought alabama would escape with a victory in this game but michigan ended up winning 27 to 20 in an ot game this was a very very ugly game there was a lot of mistakes there was a lot of you know rare mishaps that you wouldn't see from a nick saban team um, you know, odd play calling to end the game too with that Jalen Milroll QB draw. <laughs> I've seen a couple of memes. It's going viral on TikTok. There's a lot of memes of just tripping immediately as you snap the ball. Um, but you know, the fumble from Jalen Milroll. I mean, we'll get into that. And then as well with Texas losing to Washington 37 to 31, Penix Jr. put on an absolute show in that game. But we'll start with like an in-depth breakdown from the analysts. And what happened in the Alabama versus Michigan game, um, kind of from start to finish, in case you missed it, and some key moments, and I'll kind of give my feedback in there as well. Uh, but yeah, you talked about I mean, a crucial fumble, you know, towards the forty-yard line from Milrow, you know, a high snap on the PAT. What happened in this game, Dan? Well, uh, Michigan versus Alabama, the Rose Bowl. Uh, it was actually. For one, I felt like this game took forever. It started at like three o'clock, three thirty. And then I felt like at halftime, I was like checking my watch, like this game is taking forever. The band was both bands performed at half, and it just felt like forever. But yeah, anyway, we'll get into the actual game. At first, um, the first three quarters were kind of sleeper. I mean, it was kind of hard to watch. It felt like both teams are filling each other out in the first half. Like McCarthy on a, the first play almost threw an interception. I, I don't, I was kind of. You know, walking in and out, I was at my in-laws watching the games, but I don't know how they get, that was an interception. They, he threw it to the sideline. Bama player went up and caught it and landed inbounds, but they said because his foot was out when he jumped up to go get it, I guess that's why it was incomplete. Um, couldn't really tell. But yeah. um, for the first half, Milrow uh, had no time to throw. Sacked five times in the first half. I mean, it just looked brutal on the yeah. side. So, you know, coming into half, six, led six, I think, yeah, I think you might be right on the six, but um, Michigan led at half 13 to 10 for the first half felt like Michigan really dominated Bama. They had more yards, more first downs. 
just seem to be playing a little bit better than Bama. But give credit to Bama. You know, they always, in scrappy games like this, where it looks like they're just having trouble, they were still in this game. I mean, they were only down three and a half. But, um, you know, I will say neither team played a great game in my head. Um, it was pretty messy, kind of a boring game until the fourth quarter, like I said. You know, you had a couple muff punts. You had some fumbles. Um, Michigan couldn't really get any opportunities going to kind of take advantage of the Bama mishaps. So they just let Bama kind of stick around. And uh, Miller only had 116 yards passing and 63 on the ground. So yeah. Jalen Milrow, kind of like I was saying before we started, he looked like the the quarterback of old before their 11-game win streak. It just looked like yeah. he couldn't get anything going. The first three um, weeks. Yeah, he just – he had multiple not great throws or he just looked like he was kind of in trouble and ran around the entire time. And I feel like that's the way to beat Jalen Milrow. He's not a great thrower. We've all kind of known, known that, but – He's done a lot to uh, make Bama get where they are. So um, the other note I have is like Michigan had multiple, like I said earlier, most, multiple opportunities to run away with it and just couldn't. Uh, like Jared mentioned, Milrow had the fumble on the 40-yard line. So Michigan had the, had it on the 40 going in and came away with no points because they missed that field goal. Uh, a lot of – like that's the other note I have is they had a lot of mishaps Michigan did in the special teams department. You know, they say you got to yeah. win all three phases. That's right. And it just felt like Michigan <laughs> almost blew it on on the uh, on the special teams phase. But yeah, I really felt like there was a point in the game in the fourth quarter where I really felt like Bama was going to win it. I was just sitting there watching it with my family, and I was like, I think Bama's going to win this game. And everything changed on that Milrow fumble, even though that Michigan missed it still seemed like Bama was in control. and They were setting the tone and getting there. And, you know, like in a Saban game, you know when things are turning his way. Yeah. Um, and it becomes obvious because you're like, golly. I mean, look at the push they're getting on the offensive line. You know, they can't seem mm -hmm. to stop Milrow's legs. Um, and then it just kind of changes the course of the game. They control the clock. They do what they need to do to win. Um, a lot of times, like last year, or years ago when Tua and Hertz were on the same team, it was like, ah, crap, you know, Hertz isn't really getting it done, but he's still been a pretty good player for us. Hasn't been the best option that we have. Let's go with Tua, 70-yard nuke in the air. And you're like, who's Tua? And it just they found – they find a way to win. And, you know, Michigan, you know, it proved to me that Michigan deserved to be there uh, just because – I kind of expected them to get rocked. I thought they were kind of all talk. I know they beat some pretty decent opponents, but, you know, Michigan's a great program now. Um, they finally got their way um, in the semifinal and um, after that embarrassing loss, I think it was last year against the TCU. Um, but, you know, it seems like both teams are just having countless, countless mishaps. And, you know, I guess the team that got the ball last one. Yeah. Milrow Fumble. Yeah, basically – the last drive when Michigan scored to tie the game up, this is the last two notes I have, but when Michigan scored, I'm shocked they didn't roll the dice to try to go for two there at the end. You know, with all these special teams mishaps that I was talking about, you know, you had on a PAT, they had it snapped over the center's or the uh, holder's head. On the mishaps with the muffed punts um, that gave Bama a chance to score in one end and then made him start at the one. 
I was shocked that Harbaugh didn't say, hey, we're going for two here. I don't want to play Bama in overtime. Let's, let's, you know, let's go for all the marbles. But, you know, they ended up going into overtime and winning it. And then that leads us right there to the play that everybody's talking about. How much of it was a snapping issue versus the bad play calls? Um, I think throughout the game, they, the center for Bama was snapping it low all game. And I think that had a real effect on Milrow. But that play at the end, a QB draw, they were like six yeah. or seven yards out. And it's the last play of the game. I, I just didn't agree with it. But I will say it was there. If you go back and watch the play, if Jalen Milrow didn't have a low snap and was able to keep his eyes up, he probably would have seen there was a nice little cut open to the left, and he just kind of had to take the ball, look down, look back up, and then he basically had to just run up the centers, but instead of maybe reading the play. So that snap was low, and that, that really hurt him. But at the end of the day, yeah. Michigan kind of was resilient. You know, they they their both defenses played really well, but Michigan stepped up right there at the end, and, and that's how that game went. So I'm, I'm impressed by Michigan. That's not how the game – I thought it was going to go. Um, if I was Bama, I would have tried to run the ball more. But, you know, after looking at the stats, Bama ran the ball 43 times. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole time I was watching the game, I was like, Bama just yeah. needs to try and run it down their throats. I don't know why we're trying to go through all this passing, but I guess they tried to do that and didn't go very well. well so that's, Milrow that's the had, Michigan-Texas game for sure. Yeah, Milrow almost had as many attempts rushing as he did passing. He had 21 attempts on the ground. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Michigan comes out on top in that one in the semifinals. So they're go they'll go to the national championship. Moving on to the Washington and Texas game, Washington, like I mentioned earlier, defeats Texas thirty-seven to thirty-one. This one was kind of it looked like it was kind of getting out of sight for Texas, and then Texas started coming right back. And you know, we were exchanging texts off the record, and uh, you were saying that you really feel like Texas is kind of working with some momentum here that they might have a shot, and then we were talking off the record once again that they got close towards the end, uh, but they couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Um, so what were your thoughts on, on this matchup? Yeah, this one was, this game was, it was weird. So like this game for one second was like, Oh, this game's over. You know, Washington's up. I think it was, at one point it was like 37, 24 or something like that. And I was like, Oh, this game's over. Well then as Washington is trying to run the clock out, the running back goes down and that gives 40 seconds back to Texas. Texas has yeah. no timeouts. They punt the ball off. Washington runs right into the, uh, right, right into the kicker or the returner. And that gives Texas another 15 yards. Texas makes a big play, gets down there. And they, I, I thought the play calling was whack when they got down there. I mean, they, <laughs> With 10 seconds left, they tried to throw a bubble screen out to the running back. And I'm like, if he gets tackled inside or in the boundary or anywhere in bounds, the game's over. You don't have time to slide up, spike it, and run another play. And on top of that, you're two or three yards back from where you just were. So, but um, I'm going to start with Washington throughout this game. This offense was a blast to watch. They have some guys that can go for one, but I was really impressed with the shifts and the screens and how they operated and executed. It was just very impressive. Um, 
you know, they couldn't run on Texas all night. Like, I, I have stats pulled up. I think they only had, like, yeah, they only had 100 yards rushing. Yeah, but yeah, I read the, that. But the thing is, is they were shifting all night. If you watched that game, you could see Texas was trying to communicate, communicate, and then all of a sudden they'd get lined up, and then Washington would shift, and Washington would get another play, and Penix would just chunk it over their heads. And, you know, he had a great game, 430 yards and two touchdowns. Um, the lefty was slinging it everywhere, deep over the middle, out routes. It was just fun to watch them. They, it was a really yeah. cool offense. Um, I haven't gotten to watch a lot of Washington this year, but they, they really made UT confused. And that's what I was talking about in our group chat was there was a point in the game right there in the fourth quarter where it looked like UT was kind of getting their momentum. They're getting fired up. And then Washington went right back to confusing them. And you could see – on the defensive side of the ball for UT. They were, you know, trying to give hand singles. Cornerbacks were out there, you know, throwing their hands up, like, what's the play call? What are we doing? Ball snapped. So that it was just really impressive. And then the other guy I was going to shout out is the receiver for Washington that has been good all year. His name's Rome Adunze. He had six yeah. receptions, 125 yards, and he made some clutch mm-hmm. catches at the end of that game. So um, the defense was a big question. For Washington going in as well, but they got you know they got rocked in the first half, but eventually they found their footing against Texas. Yeah. So, but yeah, that that's the I think the big conversation is uh, the end of the game strategy for Washington. It, it just kind of went south on them. Um, there's not really much you can do when a guy goes down hurt like that, and he was definitely hurt. He came off the field, got carted when he got off the field, but that that was just a very <laughs> misfortunate events for Washington to make that game or open that game up for Texas. So moving on to Texas, really disappointing day from the defense, really good against the run. Like I said, but their cornerbacks were getting thrown all over. I mean, 532 yards of total offense for Washington, 36 minutes of total possession. Um, They were good against the run, but on, and on third down, they actually, um, there were three, Washington was three of 11, on a third down. But yeah, the, the note I have on there is, like I said earlier, just when you thought the UT defense had some momentum, they watched it started for, uh, shifting their formations and it was confusing them all over. And then yeah. for the Texas offense, not terrible, but Quinn Ewers just didn't play to his best ability. Um, he did not look good throughout that game. He looked like he was just not confident in his throws. He seemed a little inaccurate, some weird spirals here and there. I will give him credit, though. On the fourth down or in the fourth quarter, that throw that he made to his running back was a beautiful throw, but it was an even better catch. Um, But like I said, my main problem was the play calling at the end. With 10 seconds left, he ran that bubble screen, zero shots in the middle of the field with a tight end seam. Um, They were talking on the broadcast, I think it was McElroy, was talking about how they should run double post with the receivers, but – they didn't take a corner shot, which was working for them all game with Mitchell. Uh, they didn't throw to Worthy once. It just kind of seemed weird. Like right there at the end, you didn't take any shots to the guy that got you down the field. So but to sum that game all up, Washington really impressed me. They came to play definitely best at UT. And that game felt closer due to a couple of mishaps at the end. And then UT, great season for them. Feels like this is exactly what they needed to do to enter the SEC. Yeah. Kind of say, hey, we're here to play. And then um, I'll be interested to see what they do with their QBs and if yours stays. In my opinion, I feel like he should. 
get one more year under his belt, try and stay healthy throughout the year and just develop more and then go into the draft. But overall, two really good games. You know, they're they're fun to watch. I thought the Bama and Michigan game was a little bit more interesting just because it was a close game all the way there into the end. So yeah. and it went into overtime. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I wanted to shout out the Roma Dunzi guy. I mean, he had one game this year under 100 yards receiving. Yeah, the rest, he's a dog. Yeah, I mean, he had multiple one, two, three, four, five, five uh, multi touchdown games. Uh, add three more on top of that where he scored as well. So almost every single game he's scoring. Um, so that's going to be a guy. I'm assuming he's going to enter in the draft. I think he's a junior or senior. Um, depending on whether he was redshirted or not. But, yeah, I mean, that's – if I was viewers, I think I would stay. But the thing about the transfer portal and stuff is that everybody that's a backup there, they move so quick. And I feel like they would have – some of them would have transferred if viewers was going to stay. I could be wrong with their backup, their second-string quarterback, um, who, you know, was supposed to be the guy in front of Arch Manning, um, supposedly – you know, I'm sure a Texas fan could tell me otherwise, but you got a quarterback room with three guys that need to need to play. Um, and you got one that can leave and two that are going to stay, but you have one big name that's making more money than Brock Purdy in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. And Penix should be an interesting I – mean, he's going to skyrocket up the boards in the NFL drafts. And he was my pick for Heisman um, earlier in the year. You know, Jaden Daniels, Daniels from LSU is going to go to the draft, um, but I don't think he's – quite ready to be honest i think he's um got some more development to do and he might get a rude awakening in the nfl but um who knows best of luck to both of them but that's a great game washington versus michigan um next or i don't know when, when is their game i can't even remember i think it's next monday i think it's okay. the i think it's the eighth the eighth i don't know okay. i'll have to double check that but yeah. uh just to add to that real fast, UT's quarterback, the backup, I think it's Malik Murphy. Yeah, his name. Something, he already something. transferred to Duke. So right now they only have pointers and Arch Manning. So it's Arch so, Manning. Yeah. Well, I'd hope to see Arch Manning and Kyle Field in 2024 when Texas A&M plays them for the first time in the SEC. And I, I was telling my coworker today that we should just scrap the pass and it's SEC ball from here on out. We're starting no, no. But – course he didn't like that because texas has so much more wins than texas a&m but um <laughs> i thought i thought personally it was a good idea um okay the db list this is from the medical guy we don't have his medical injury analysis but we wanted to touch base on his db list because boy it was a good one um so the first one we've already covered a little bit of him but it's russ bus gus and the broncos russell wilson uh, the broncos were literally telling russ to change his contract or they'll bench him, you know, right after they beat the Chiefs. That's DB list number one. Your second candidate is, and this is my nickname for Dalton Schultz, but woke boy, uh, the Texans have to play uh, to win and get in game or play a win and get in game this weekend over January 6th. Yes, the famous Red River rivalry, the Red Building rivalry, as they call it. Um, I won't know. So he won't he won't be able to be in his safe space for this big forbidden game. Um, you know, and honestly, I hate fucking reading the skip on this thing. But Woke Boy has got to play during January 6th. And I know that motherfucker don't want to play during January 6th. Okay. You got <laughs> these conservatives rioting, going out there, they want to march again for a second time. 
And hell, I was there last year. I gotta admit, uh, Joe, totally <laughs> kidding. But Dalton, Dalton Short's gonna have a, a tough time playing this weekend, and he's gonna be hella triggered, uh, especially if Greg Abbott comes out with a treat tweet. But then number three, Alabama center, LOL. Now, this is as Ryan explained earlier: the high snap, the low snaps, just terrible all the way around. He's definitely getting an ash chewing after the game. And number four. We're going to play around or we can say this name or not, but there's a certain list that's going to be released uh, supposedly this month um, concerning a high-value target who may or may not have killed himself. Um, so all those listed will be on the eternal DB list, uh, <laughs> according to the medical guy. And I happen to agree. I cannot wait. This is almost like uh, a, you know, a new Marvel movie coming out, and you just want to wait to the post credit scenes. You're like, ha! You know, boom, got him. So that's your DBs list of the week. And I've got one, one to add. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you have one to add as well. That was a good list. Thank you, the medical guy. But, Ryan, what's your DB list? The David Tepper, the owner of Carolina Panthers. I don't know <laughs> if y'all saw that video. He threw he threw his drink. The Panthers are getting rocked. He threw his drink on a, one of the fans. Yeah, and yeah. he's been a character, like, all year this year, but – Man, he, he threw a drink on one of the fans and got fined $300,000 for it. So he's down bad for uh, making the decisions that he's made, and now he's he's laying in his bed. So oh he's on God. the DB list for sure. <laughs> and he doesn't have any picks. He traded him away. So Oh, yeah. He, that old man was feeling it for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, 300K ain't no joke either. Okay. Now, we want to get into our playoff scenarios. This is for the NFL, and this is where we're going to use kind of our playoff simulator and play around with some different scenarios of what the Dallas Cowboys and other teams could possibly face based on some very key matchups. we got a bunch of teams across the NFL at 8-8, eight and eight, you know, 9-7, and 7-9. Seven, seven and nine. We don't know who's going to get in. There's a couple of players, teams eliminated already, so I'll just kind of take you guys through, you know, kind of what I have. So in the AFC, some key teams that were just eliminated – Last week, you've got Cincinnati Bengals, the Denver Broncos, and the Las Vegas Raiders. In the hunt, you still got the basically the entire AFC South in the hunt uh, for who's going to make the playoffs or possibly get a seventh seed, and that's Jacksonville, Houston, and Indianapolis, all tied at 9-7. and seven. I think your biggest matchup of the week, uh, which we'll predict here in a little bit, we've got a couple from the AFC games. We've got three AFC games we want to predict. And then we'll go into some NFC games, but let's let's screw around with this uh, this with this playoff simulator here, Ryan. If you got it ready, yeah, I got um, it ready. Yeah, here we go. So there's a couple things that can happen here. Let me and, clear. We'll walk through. Yeah, let's do that. So obviously, you've got the 49ers in the NFC as the number one seed. It's solidified, and in the AFC, you got Baltimore at the number one seed. That's solidified as well. Um, with the Miami loss to the Ravens last week. Now you've got a chance for Buffalo and Miami in this game to basically swap places and get that second seed, and then Miami goes down to sixth seed or fifth, I believe. Maybe it depends on where. Well, see, that's where it gets complicated. You know, you got the Miami and Cleveland game, so or Miami, Buffalo, and Cleveland at the same record. So let's play around. Let's start with uh, the top, the um, Ravens and Steelers. You know, I, we think that most likely the Ravens are going to win this game. And then we'll just go. Yeah, I'm going to say if the Ravens play all their guys, yeah, then the Ravens will win that game for sure. It is a rivalry game. Uh, like 
one of the biggest in the NFL, you could argue. You know, keep your guys healthy, but, you know, the Ravens, I don't know. I, I think because then you're giving a playoff spot to the, to the Steelers. So I, I would imagine the Ravens play through the third quarter, and if it's close, they might keep him in. But I really think that they're going to try and win this game. Um, okay, Texans versus the Colts. Assuming We're assuming here the Texans are going to win this game. Yeah, I have – I have notes on this one. I said this is potentially both the head coach head coach of the year candidates. You've got Shane Steichen for the uh, Indianapolis Colts and Amika Ryans. But I think both have been very solid coaches. But at this point, I'm going to have to go with the team that has the better quarterback. He's been Gardner great. Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say the Texans pull this Texans. one off. So we'll go Texans there. And as you can see, that would move Texans into the fourth seed. If they win that game, this is a basically a win in your end game. This is a very important game, like Jared was talking about earlier. Well, also we got to keep in keeping keeping into account. Excuse me, the Jacksonville game has not been calculated yet. So let's move go to find the Jacksonville game and who we think is going to the top right. We think Jacksonville. Gonna I'm going to say yeah, Jacksonville beats the Titans. So, so it's still the fourth. Jacksonville still gets that fourth seed with a Houston win. Yeah. So That's, let's just let's focus on the AFC teams right now. Let's do that. So yeah. next up, we would have the Browns and the Bengals. I think Jared and I both agree. I have this on here. We've done a lot of talk in recent episodes about which backup QBs yeah. have impressed so far and who it would take. Yeah. And we didn't mention Flacco. You know, Flacco for the Cleveland has been outstanding. Um, I think the reason I was saying that is because we mentioned Jake Browning and Jake Browning did what he could, but he was just in a bad situation for Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Flacco's been playing at a – he's had one bad game, but Flacco's been playing at a – he's the perfect formula for, for Flacco. Great yes. defense, hard-nosed running game, good weapons. You know, I see the bank – I can see the Bengals trying to play um, spoiler, but there's no shot here in my opinion. I think the Browns win this game 21-10. What do you there think, you Jared? Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat there. I had this one as a low-scoring, kind of scrappy game. I don't think the Bengals are such a bad team with Jake Browning, and they had opportunities to win against the Chiefs in their previous game, and you can argue the refs kind of stole some opportunities from them, um, and the Chiefs are kind of struggling. So I don't think that really tells you how – I think the Bengals are scrappy, but I still think Cleveland wins this game 24-16. to 16. I think Browning throws a pair of picks. And, um, you know, Flacco continues to make his case for comeback player of the year, which I think he's probably most deserving of it, um, him and, or Baker Mayfield. But Cleveland wins this game, in my opinion. Um, and then, of course, we took the – I got – what's crazy is, if you want to go back to the Houston and, and Indianapolis game, because we had this from the predictor as well. I actually have – this is crazy. This is a gut feeling. This has no analytics or game of football involved with it. I have Indianapolis winning this game 23-21. to 21. I think Stroud is a solid performance, and it, I, I think that Minshew will have a comeback drive last second with a game-winning field goal. And I think Minshew magic will live on. I don't think they can get this far just for them to miss the playoffs. I think they're actually a well-coached team. However, the other side of my gut says C.J. Stroud has does a really good job in close games. Um, we've seen him play really well in shootouts, but I've got, I've got the Colts winning this game. Okay. Well, I have the Texans. So do you want to go Texans or Colts? Well, we'll play Let's see this scenario. We'll, we'll leave it at the Texans for now. 
and then we'll come back to it. Um, okay, Miami and Buffalo. Ooh. Yeah, this uh, is I'll, let you, I'll let you start. I'll let you start, and, I'll, and then I'll fill in what I think. This is a big one. I, I, so it depends on what kind of Buffalo team shows up, like we've been saying all year. Um, this defense has been playing uh, out of its mind the past three weeks, you can argue. Um, they had a really good game against the Patriots. The box score doesn't really show how well the defense played. Um, they, I mean, they basically started the game with three interceptions um, or three interceptions, a fumble recovery, and a, I think a, a touchdown or something like that. But um, they started on fire. Josh Allen is doing what I said he was going to do once he beat the Cowboys is he could win out and possibly be the offensive player of the year in the AFC um, with just the amount of touchdowns he has alone. So we'll see what kind of masterclass he puts on. But the main reason I'm taking Buffalo is because of the weather. Uh, I, I don't, it's something about cold weather worries me about Tua, no matter if it's in Miami or in uh, Buffalo, I'm pretty sure it is in Miami, right? Uh, I think it is. The game? I think it's in Buffalo. I hope so, because that would help what I just said. But I don't like – I just don't like the thought of Tua playing in the confirm cold. that for you. Um, regardless, I have Buffalo winning 29-24. to 24. Um, Like I said, Josh Allen has the weather to his advantage. Defense gets smothered, but it won't be enough to stop Allen. What do you got? I'm trying to find – Oh, you're trying to find it? It is – nope, it's at Miami. Okay, yeah, I remember in my head it was in Buffalo <clears> earlier <throat> in the year. Um, but I wonder what the weather was going to be like in Miami. But if it is cold, that could play a factor. It's Regardless, cold. I still I, I agree with you. I still think Buffalo wins this game. I, I think they've been red hot since they beat um, Dallas. So I'm going to go ahead and click Buffalo here. And with that, you'll see they'll move into the second seed. Yep. But we'll go through, and then I'll just cover off. Jared can add yeah. into a couple of these lower tier AC or AFC games that don't really matter. I got the Broncos and the Raiders here. I'm going to say the Raiders win that game, and then we're going to go ahead and say the Jets and the Patriots. I don't That's know. Pick, pick your poison. <laughs> Let's we'll just say the Jets. It doesn't matter. Just pick one. Yeah. So if if that's how if the AFC plays out or we, how we think it is, go to me. Um, Kansas City and um, the Chargers. Just, uh, I got I, would, I got Kansas. Yeah, Kansas City. So that doesn't change anything. But if if that's if the games go, I mean, Jared think they're going to go. You would have Baltimore at one, Buffalo in the second seed, uh, my or Kansas in the third, and Jacksonville in fourth. And then you'd have Cleveland fifth, Miami sixth, Houston seventh. So the way that would shake out is obviously Baltimore is going to get that first round bye. And then in the wild card games, you have Houston at Buffalo, Miami at Kansas, and Cleveland at Jacksonville. Man, like I said before the podcast, the Buffalo and Houston game is one I'm going to be keeping an eye on. I just – yeah. I, I want to see something like that. That's a fun game. It's young versus, you know, cover of Madden, basically. Um, Miami and Kansas City, I, I could see Miami winning that game for sure. And then Cleveland and Jacksonville. I'm I taking see, Cleveland. I'm taking Cleveland. I, just comfort, comfortably. Like, I, I just don't yeah. – I don't like Jacksonville. I, I think they're well, garbage. 
Jared, here's your scenario. So say you flip the Texans and Colts game. Say the Colts win. Then it would be Buffalo against the Colts. <laughs> so if you're if you're a Buffalo fan, you probably you probably written for the Colts there or the Texans. Yes. You don't want to see the Texans. So yeah, all right. I would agree. Let's do the NFC. We'll start yep. with the games that don't matter. So yep. we'll go Bucks. Yeah, the ones that are obvious that don't matter. Yeah, the Bucks yeah. should win this game. I, I think Bryce Young might be in concussion protocol or something like that. He might. Yeah, be. so we'll say the Bucks win. And then this game uh, kind of has some implications. Not It used to, but, you know, like Jared said earlier, for the NFC, let's see. They the got – elim- I think Minnesota's eliminated now, right? Yeah, the, I, I believe Minnesota's eliminated, and Detroit's already clinched their division. So yeah. they're basically playing just in case they get second seed, um, just in case either us or Philadelphia loses. So yeah. Detroit should win that game. Yeah, so we're going to go with Detroit. Now here's and, the interesting thing is this Falcons-Saints game. This can change. Shit bowl. Yeah, th- that's exactly actually what I, my notes are for this is. I literally have shit ball. I don't even want to talk about this game, but I have the Saints winning 17 to 10. Yeah, there you go. That's a great score, too. Uh, I have a, a funky one, and it's I have New Orleans winning 30 to 9. I just I, think, <laughs> I just think Atlanta comes out and it's like just completely craps his pants, and Derek Carr looks like a god, and he's gonna be flexing on us on the way to the sideline on his way into uh, a, a fraudulent fourth seed to where he's going to get absolutely bum-rushed by somebody in the playoffs. That team is the wor- one of the worst coached teams in the NFL, the Saints. I, I can't right. stand them. So but, we're going Saints. And I will say this um, in this game. I said Atlanta sucks, and the NFL should not allow them into the playoffs. I, I, I don't think they're so bad they shouldn't be allowed in the playoffs. I have no idea how they have seven wins. Secondly, They just need a quarterback. This is my favorite one. Derek Carr should be banned from the NFL for atrocity violations. <laughs> that's that's my second one. But yes, you're right. I think you know Russell Wilson. No. <laughs> All right. Kidding. So now I think the next game we got up right here is Seattle and Arizona. Where, how do you think that game goes? If Seattle loses this game, I'm gonna laugh. Not as hard as I did when Philadelphia lost that game, or not as hard as our friends laughed when Arizona beat us in week three. But Seattle. It's your job to win this game. You should win. Um, and this, I don't have a prediction score of this, but I had to guess it'd probably be a, you know, it's a clo- I think it's going to be a close game. I think K1 yeah. is always going to give you, th- uh, he's, he's basically just playing for nothing. He's just going out there and taking risk and seeing how his, his knee feels. He's only getting healthier. So it's a toss up. I think it'll be close, but I think Seattle pulls out a, a narrow victory. Yeah, I can see. I agree. I can see this game going either way, but for the sake of the machine or predictor, I'll give it to Seattle for now. But we'll, we'll mess with that one because that has a lot of Dallas impl- implications in it. Um, let's see. The next game we have is the Green Bay Packers and the Bears. I'll let you start on that, and then I've got some notes on that one as well. Yeah, and I've got a crazy prediction for this, um, in my opinion. I've been kind of praising off of the side, not really publicly, uh, the Chicago Bears team. Um, and that nobody really accounts that when Tyler Bagent was in, I think they lost every game. It was three or four games. 
Um, when Justin Fields came back, you eliminate those three or four games. Let's just call it three losses. He's seven and six on the year. The Bears are a good football team when Justin Fields is playing on the field. So I actually – but Jordan Love has been an absolute sensation this year. I mean, he is third in the league in passing touchdowns, right behind Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. Um, and he had a fantastic night against, uh, you know, Minnesota, Jaron Hall, uh, not ready for the NFL yet. Uh, but I have Chicago winning this game 31-28. to 28. I think Love and Fields just trade shots. I think they ball out in an NFC North shootout, but Chicago takes the victory. Um, and like I said, and I like to quote the part of my take here, with Fields at the helm, the Bears have a winning record. Huh? So Yeah, they are 5-2 and two in their last seven. Yes, they're they're not a bad football team, and I, and and I think they're players. also yeah. And I also think that they're get they're tired of the Packers shit. You know they've been getting yeah. rocked by Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre for years. So that's another. I, argument. I'm going to agree with you that we'll say Chicago wins this game, and then we'll move into the we can cover this one off real fast. Eagles Giants. I think the Eagles win this game. I think oh, they are tired of hearing. Well, yeah. Let's, <laughs> You really want to get into that, but yeah, I think the Eagles will win this game. I think they're tired of hearing everybody, you know, cry about them. So we'll give that one to the Eagles. That's crazy. They started ten and one, another eleven and five. That's crazy. Yeah. Here's the next interesting game. We got the Niners and the Rams. Niners twelve and four. Rams nine and seven. I said on the last podcast, Rams are the red hot team of the NFC. Yeah. Um, Completely different team. However, I think the Niners get them. And I will say this, unless they sit their guys since the yeah. one seed is locked up, they might just sit there and say, you know what? I don't care what happens with Rams. You know, we're, we need to save our guys for the playoffs. Um, yada, yada, yeah. yada. So with the Niners starters playing, I've got this, I got the Niners winning 24-17. I think the game is actually going to be pretty close. Without the Niners starters playing, I've got 31-17 Rams. Yeah, yeah. And so I originally had a prediction for this game, and I got some insider information that most likely the 49ers are going to be playing their starters at least through the third quarter, but they are without Christian McCaffrey, and I'm sure they're going to be playing very conservative since they already have that seed locked. But the thing about the Rams is I don't believe they can move up or down in the seedings. Um, And we can test it here, but I think with either a win or a loss, um, I think they're staying where they're at. So they might not have anything to play for. They might rest their starters too. So this game is a complete toss-up. I really don't know who's going to win. Most likely on paper it should be the 49ers because if you put your put their backups in, they're probably, you know, still good enough to beat a Rams team. Um, and I'm sure they don't want to get – Stafford has a, a tendency to, every once in a while to take a big-ass hit in the pocket and break his thumb or something. So – I'm sure they don't want that happening either. Walford's uh, capable of being a backup. I don't know who's going to win this game, but I would lean the 49ers. Yeah, so for the sake of that, we'll just say 49ers. Um, before you move on to the next game, okay, try, yeah, we got the 49ers here. Now try the Rams and see if they see if they move up any. See if, like, yeah, pick them to win. Nope. See, there's, there's this, this is where it gets interesting is, like you're saying, the Rams do have a shot to go up. Let's just say it's that Seattle beats – or Arizona beats Seattle, then that would put the Saints in. But if the Packers win, 
then that would put Green Bay at ninth. Let's just say we Both think the Cowboys are going to win. So yeah, the Cowboys so should do the job. You have that. Uh, do you have that? Why don't you read through that wild card opponents and how like who Dallas would play real fast? Yeah, yeah. Let me get that on Twitter real quick for everybody. Um, so I got it, my little bookmarks here. This is how things are going to play out for the. And if you're a Cowboys fan, this is something you should probably know. This is opponent one, the, the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams need to lose San Francisco. Seattle needs to beat Arizona, and the Packers need to beat the Bears. So let's play that scenario out. So that if you play that scenario, that would put the Rams at seven, seven seed playing Dallas. That would be Green Bay at Detroit, yeah. and then Philadelphia at Tampa. So read off that next one, yeah. and I'll, I'll... I, I think that is is most likely. I think that is the yeah. most likely scenario, to be honest. Uh, opponent number two, Seattle. Um, Seattle beats Arizona, but the, and the Packers lose to the Bears. So if you play that out there, we're playing the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Then opponent three, the Packers. The Packers beat the Bears, and the Rams beat the 49ers. So swap those two games, and you get – Packers the, beat the Bears. Yeah, and the Packers beat – yeah, that's it. Yeah. Th- then this – I think is what makes popcorn. If you look at it on here, you you'll get the uh, the Packers and the Dallas. That's a very very historic playoff matchup. But the most intriguing one is Los Angeles Rams and Detroit. That is the first time in 31 years, however many years it is, for Detroit to clinch their division and get a home playoff game. But that is also uh, a Jared Goff revenge game and Matt Stafford will be playing against who he was traded against in Detroit's first ever home playoff game in 31 years who has they he has been their franchise guy for that those many years basically a yeah. coming home game that's something that would sell and of course you got the Philadelphia versus Tampa Bay that's basically us last year um they should Tampa Bay could win not gonna lie but okay and then your last scenario this is opponent for the New Orleans Saints. Um, the Saints have to beat Atlanta, the Cardinals have to beat Seattle, and the Bears have to beat the Packers. And there you have it. I think that's the least likely scenario. I agree. But that's the most fortunate scenario for Dallas, in my opinion. I would agree. I would love to play New Orleans. Oh, my God. You know. my, I think my, my thought process is out of those four teams, you said the Saints, the Rams, the Packers – and Seahawks, right? Yeah. Out of those four teams, if I'm Dallas, I want to play the Saints, I want to play the Seahawks, or I want to play the Packers. I do not want to play the Rams. I yeah, I I don't want to play the Rams. The, I like, like I said, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I don't like the idea of playing the Packers. <laughs> yeah. Those are the two teams you don't want to play just because Packers history that we have with them, but also just that the Rams, like I said, they're the hottest team on the NFC side, they're like the Buffalo of the AFC. They've just been on a hot streak lately. So I would agree. they're not the team that we beat 40 to whatever at home earlier in the year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we, we predicted those games, the AFC and NFC, who's in, who's out. We did the key uh, AFC matchups and NFC matchups. Now we're going to get into our heave of the week. And this is brought to you by the Rook. 
Um, it's going to be a real quick one, and then we'll move into our next segment. Um, but, and by the way, Lel Collins signed with the Cowboys on a practice squad deal. But I like this one because it shows the incompletion probability, uh, or completion probability, I guess is the right way to say it. Um, here we go. Everybody can see that. Boom. Okay, Dak Prescott, this is, you know, early in the game. It's three to nothing. And let's get this thing. I can't remember what down it is. I don't have the full full play-by-play, but we're going to wing it. Five live for the Dallas Cowboys here. The Detroit Lions look to be in a man set, possibly disguising a zone and bluffing a blitz. Dak Prescott is five yards back behind the line of scammers. Tyler Valladez is going to be the center snapping of the football. And here we are. We're off to the races. One, eight, seven, three, here you go. Third down and 13. Blitz coming. Prescott able to get out of the end zone. And now airs it out for Lamb. He's got it. He and your boy, CD's nuts. When he gets there, Ripping, it's a touchdown, walking, Cowboys. Bringing the team down to the, On to the touchdown. Throwing up the X in honor of Dez Bryant. And then you go, there's some more in there, too. Some more heaps a week as well. But CD Lamb finds his way. In. The audio cut you off, but that, it still was good for the Joe Buck. Okay, that's fine. Uh, as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as the video ended, I was like, that was a heck of a throw. The volume's uh, on. Yeah. When the volume's on, that's when I cut off. That's why it cuts off. The uh, That was a heck of a throw, though. That was crazy. 93-yard bomb. But getting yeah. getting out of the pocket like that for Dak was crazy. It was just – I thought he should have been sacked. But it was funny. We were at that wedding, and I was in the bath. I literally walked away. I was in the bathroom, you know, using a urinal. And I was, like, just kind of looking at game cast. And I saw the – Touchdown, 93 yards. I was like, oh, my goodness. I just yeah. ran back. So, yeah, exactly. it's awesome. All right. Um, your track – we're going to do our track ranking up next, and that's our top three NFL takes from us um, in 2023. And for those of you all that are first-time listeners, we've had a lot. <laughs> we've been right about a lot of different things, and we're proud to say it. Um, the problem has been exposure. So, but let's get into that real quick. Um, you know, obviously we're going to start at gold and then platinum and then our highest honor will be diamond. And the analyst, I'll give you the first go at your gold top three sports takes from us at track. Hmm. So my honorable mention, this comes back from. Oh, sweet. I had one. The, yeah. I always do an honorable mention. Come on now. My honorable mention, this goes back to our July, August days is when I told you that Dak does not have a turnover problem and that he is about to have a good year. Um, okay. That yeah. last year from Dak was very unusual, and we've been saying that. And that, and Project. you know, as the season goes on and on and on, there's a lot of reporters out there that were like, "Yeah, we made a big deal out of that for nothing." And now you're seeing a bunch of double narratives about Jalen Hurts and about Josh Allen. How nobody's talking about how they're throwing 17 interceptions, but you know, that's been that's my honorable mention. But my gold. And this, I stand by this, and I said it last year, and Jared has said it multiple times, is that the Giants were, in fact, a bad team, and I have no idea how people thought they were going to be good. <laughs> That's, I said that at the beginning of the year. It's like, this team is not good. We've mentioned it multiple times about yeah. their, their schedule last year, how they went about their schedule, how they played. I mean, we were talking about this back in August. And yeah. then look at where they are now. They're just like an abysmal team. So that's my gold gold 
Yeah, our honorable mention and our golds go hand in hand, I would argue. Um, it's just kind of flip-flop them. But my honorable mention is <laughs> the Saints and, and Dennis Allen. I, I have covered this team, you know, probably seven or eight episodes, I would argue, and basically said they're poorly coached, they're annoying to watch, and they get into heave mode all the freaking time. And if they go in there and lose to Atlanta and miss the playoffs on what a crappy division that they're in with the stacked roster that they have, with the young talent, with the hype behind Derek Carr and God's own God's righteous man, um, <laughs> you know, I would laugh my ass off. And I feel bad for the city of New Orleans because they hate him. They hate Derek Carr. Yeah. And Dennis Allen is going to return next year. Why? I have no idea. Um, but my gold – um, and this is actually a low key one of my favorites is Jake Ferguson is an elite tight end. Uh, we said this in May of last year, and then again in July, saying that there's been flashes of him being a baby Kelsey. He's got more athleticism than we've ever seen at the tight end position on the Dallas Cowboys specifically. I said in the clip, I, I, I think it's it's pinned on TikTok or whatever, but. That if when Jason Witten jumps, you couldn't even swipe a credit card underneath it. But Jake Ferguson um, is out here hurdling, hurdling dudes, and now he's calling it before the game, saying, "I'm a hurdle these dudes," and he does it in the game. Um, he's our second leading receiver, I believe, on the team, and people are starting to put him on the all white, all pro team. So <laughs> even though he probably wants to audition for the other side, but um, yeah, that's my honorable mention and my gold. Yeah, uh, your platinum. Oh, this goes – my platinum and diamond go hand-in-hand hand with what's going on in the NFL right now. But platinum, when I told you that Russ is, in fact, a bad guy and he can't throw over the middle, I've shown <laughs> you that time and time again throughout this year. Yeah. And now you're seeing what's going on with Russ and how he's just kind of ruined relations with the Broncos. Granted, <clears throat> that could go both ways, like we said, in our shadow script. But, you know – it goes to show that what Sean Payton has been saying about him, how his teammates kind of feel about him over the years. Like I try to tell him basically <laughs> he's, he's not who he like shows himself to be essentially. So that's yeah. my platinum take. Yeah. Of the year. And you were right pretty much all year. I think there was only one passing chart where we're like, well, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> uh, other than that, it was, it was pretty awful. Um, okay, my platinum is um, Trevor Lawrence isn't as good as they claim, and this one is that's a good one. Of, it's a war that I've had with the kid since last year, and it was if only he could get weapons. Okay, well, now we had Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, uh, and then I was told Christian Kirk wasn't that good of a wide receiver at the number two spot and that he's a low end number two, possibly number three. But we figured out this year is that Christian Kirk is more valuable this year than Calvin Ridley was what he could do against man coverage and the deep threat because Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence were not on the same page whatsoever. Um, But we're in a year where last year, Trevor Lawrence had 25 touchdowns and like eight interceptions. And then you get into this year, he's got 19 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And we're calling this guy the the prodigal son, you know, the next coming, a top five quarterback. It's just – it's blasphemous in my opinion. And it is exactly like I said, either on the podcast or off record, Trevor Lawrence has so much to prove. 
He has so much to prove in the NFL before we get to claim that spot. It's not basically – we can't rank a guy based on hypotheticals. Oh, my God. Um, we can't rank a guy based on hypotheticals in this league. You have to prove it. Like Lamar Jackson, I'm giving him his flowers, but he still has to prove he can win a playoff game. That's the same shit they had attacked other quarterbacks for. Um, so, And I'm assuming he's going to do it. But, yeah, that's my platinum is Trevor Lawrence. All right. You want me to give my diamond? Yeah, I do. <laughs> and it feels, like I said, flows right with what's going on in the NFL right now. My diamond take of the year, and I feel so good about this because it's our division rival. When I told you that the Eagles were, in fact, overrated and that losing their coordinators would directly show you that Sirianni cannot coach and that those coordinators were really good. And what a time to share that for when that coordinator, the defensive coordinator that they miss oh so dearly, came back and beat them last week to give Dallas a chance to be the second seed. <laughs> I told you all this in August. I told you all this in week three where I said that the Eagles' offense doesn't look like they have an identity, and that is the main point they're having right now is the defense does not look good. The offense is getting questions about why aren't they getting the ball with their playmakers. They don't have an identity. I said that. Early on in the season, I said it before the season, and here we are. So they have a good record, but you know people are looking at the Eagles a lot differently than they were when they were ten and one. And I stuck and I stuck to that that take. So I feel like that's subjective too. I, I know we're wearing Dallas gear up here, but that's an objective look. Um, they're struggling. They don't have an identity. Nick Sirianni, I guess, wanted to believe that Jalen Hurts. I think there's a slash in there for you because you've talked about Jalen Hurts a lot um, mm-hmm. of him not. He's, his identity is not a passing quarterback. He shouldn't be throwing the ball 40 times, 45 times a game. Um, is it to say he's not a good quarterback? No, he is a top 10 quarterback in this league probably. Um, but he wasn't number three where they were putting him last year. And that's kind of what he's trying to say is that those coordinators kind of disguised a little, little of it. Right. I'm, I'm glad you put that in when there. I was hoping you would do it. I was assuming you would too. Now, my diamond. And this is our beloved Dallas Cowboys. And you had it earlier. But I have pushed this agenda more than anybody this year. I have defended my neck at every step in the turn for over a year and a half, two years now. And it is Dak Prescott is an elite quarterback in the NFL, and the interceptions were a fluke last year. He has been Mm -hmm. a great quarterback all his career. As he has progressed throughout his career, it has become increasingly more Dak Prescott than it was Ezekiel Elliott early on. Yes, Ezekiel Elliott, that was his team. They drafted him for Romo, to quote the kid. But over time, Zeke began to decrease and Dak Prescott continued to increase until Dak Prescott became the man. Um, and the NLS will be back, will be back soon. But um, Dak Prescott has shown all this year, you know, yes, he has had his struggles away against good teams. But ideally, you're looking at this as he's been the most efficient quarterback this year. He has played the position itself the best, to quote Aaron Rodgers. And he is the best quarterback probably in the NFL in terms of um, pre-snap um, analysis, pre-snap, what do you want to call it, antics, metrics, whatever. But, yeah, that's the one I was most excited about is it shut a lot of people up to the point where now they want to defend Brock Purdy's interceptions this year. So, And that is our entire track ranking, our top three sports takes from track from us from 2023. Um, I actually would love to do a full episode just to kind of talk about this, all of those takes. 
with just the full crew um, once we, we get set up with the kid up here in person. Um, but our next segment is focused on who the MVP is. And mm. there's a lot of different ways. I think it's a runaway now, um, but is it the most deserving? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but there's a couple candidates out there. I'll list them out. Um, Lamar Jackson is the favorite. Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, and Tyreek Hill. Um, those are basically your, your most likely to win MVP candidates. But I think right now, especially after Lamar Jackson had that five-touchdown game, you, yeah. they're probably going to give it to Lamar. Um, yeah. And what infuriates me is before that five-touchdown five game that he had, he was 10 touchdowns behind or almost 10 touchdowns behind Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy in passing touchdowns. I mean, I think he only had like 20, 23 touchdowns total. Yeah. And then he just exploded all of a sudden for five touchdowns. Once he became an MVP favorite, basically to pad those numbers to become the favorite even more. So it's going to go to Lamar um, in my opinion. But I think in terms of who played the, like I was talking about earlier, um, you know, Dak Prescott could probably become second in those odds. I'd be happy with that. Um, and I think Tyreek Hill sh- should become sh- – I think Tyreek Hill said a lot about what he was going to do, but he really ended up closer to C.D. Lamb than he ended up, you know, breaking away being this crazy wide receiver one because the number one, number one wide receiver in fantasy football, which is why I'm wearing this shirt, is your boy C.D. Lamb – who the kid called in July and said that that uh, CD Lamb was your dark horse fantasy wide receiver one. So I just want to get that out there, and we'll explain that later. But um, yeah, I, I think Christian McCaffrey with twenty plus touchdowns is more valuable than Brock Purdy, but it probably won't get the MVP because it's a quarterback award. So I really think it's Lamar, Dak, CMC. Yeah, I've got I've got it broken down in three ways. So I have the NFL's MVP. Because this award or this award has become, yeah, this award has become kind of backwards. But the NFL's MVP is going to be Lamar Jackson. Kind of like what you're saying, you know, they look for the guys that have the best record, you know, make the most difference, yada yada yada. It's it's the, I don't know, to get it is it's been really weird over the last couple of years. I have the QB MVP that should go to Dak. If you're having a QB who played the best quarterback this year, Dak has been the most efficient. You could maybe argue Brock Purdy right there with them. They have stats that are very similar. And then I have the real MVP would either be between CMC or Tyreek Hill. And, you know, those two guys, when they're on the field for their offense, if you're just talking offensive guys, those two, you know, are the non-quarterback MVPs that make their offense go. So, that's a tough decision. I haven't given to McCaffrey, but I could definitely accept an argument that Tyreek Hill should should get that award as well. It's so, crazy to me that Lamar could win his second MVP without ever winning a playoff game. I know it's a regular season award, but it's just yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> That's why it's so backwards. I mean, the, the MVP trophy has just been kind of weird for – couple years now there's there's been a lot of arguments you know back and forth about how it should be determined and like last year it should have been hurts you know a lot of people a lot of people argued um yeah i mean it's just been the nfl and 
and they're officiating, they just get a lot of shit wrong. A lot. <laughs> yeah. It's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, long story short, it's looking like Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah. So your 2023 MVP for the NFL season goes to Lamar Jackson. Congratulations, Lamar. Um, <laughs> Lamar, Lamar. Lamar, I say it, the less I like it. Um, okay. Two-minute drill presented by the analysts. And this is where we're going to get in-depth with uh, Russell Wilson and maybe some little game analysis. So Yeah. So I don't have any stats this week. We've been out for two weeks. And I felt like – I told Jared early before we even started recording, I told him, I was like, I really feel like we need to cover some of these things that are going on. And so we've already kind of covered Russell Wilson. Um, we already said most of what I have here, the report that came out, apparently the Broncos beat the Chiefs in week nine, sat Russell Wilson down and basically told him, hey, uh, we're going to have to bench you if you don't reconstruct your contract. And I'm sure Russell Wilson was like, uh, and he completely came out of his <laughs> hero. Call my so, you know, anyway, the part of the Broncos wanted Russ to reach – the reason they wanted him to reconstruct his contract is, like I was saying, it's the injury guarantees, and it has a lot to do with their salary cap hit for next year. They're really worried about being over the salary cap. And uh, like I said earlier, the NFLPA and the NFL have gotten involved, and it seems like there is rumors of a lawsuit that could occur um, involving the Broncos, the NFL, Russell Wilson. So we'll see how that all plays out. Yeah, um, and rumors and so. rumors speculate Harvey Specter is going to be that lawyer. <laughs> um, but I have for my play. I feel like usually I pick a cool play to break down for you guys, but I'm going to share some knowledge about the Lions Cowboys game, and that's why I'm going to show you the play that didn't didn't count. So I'm going to back this up. Let's let's start from the beginning. The Cowboys allow the Lions to walk all the way down the field and score. And yeah. you know who the coach is of the Lions. It's Mr. Dan Campbell himself. And Dan Campbell loves to go for two. So apparently there's been a lot of stuff that are thrown out. You've seen what the refs said. You've seen what Dan Campbell said, that he told, he warned them about the play before he, the game, and he told them that they were going to try something like this if it got down to it. Well, it got down to it. So here's the video. And, I, and the video that or the video that everybody's seeing that gets left out is before the play begins, you got number 68, I can't remember his name, but, and number 70, Sam Decker, who's supposed to declare eligible for this play. Yep. So 68 does. He's the one that catches this ball. But 70 runs up, never really kind of declares, runs over there, and gets lined up. So I'm going to run this play first. And for some reason, the play style just won't go away. But you'll watch. 68 comes out of the back, and there he is, and touchdown. So they called a legal touching. And while he did declare – that's that's right. He did declare. But the thing that is big here is the basic rules of football. There are multiple penalties on this play. Yeah, three to be. There's expected. three. And if this thing would work with me, I'll show you from the beginning. Yeah. And, and so. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was about to say what you're about to say. 
Tech, so technically, per football ruling, you are supposed to have seven guys on the line of scrimmage, no more. And if you count from in the middle here, you've got he's off the ball, he's on the ball, or is he? He is on the ball. So we'll say he's on the ball. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So if he's supposed to be off the ball, this is eligible. But the point I'm trying to make is, is George, is Amonra on the ball or not? Right. If he, and if even if that ball, tight end was on the ball, I believe that's still an illegal formation because you can't have two on the, on the ball on the same side, correct? You can't. So that was the argument is that he declared, Sam Decker declared, he's covered up. But – all of these guys are covered up by a model. But my argument and what the NFL is saying and what other people are talking about and even the refs is look at where Amon Roswell lined up and look at where Reynolds is lined up. If you're counting Amon Raw on the ball, then you have to count him on the ball as well. And this yeah, right here would be that. covered. It looks warped, but yeah, I can see that. The other thing is, okay, let's not count Reynolds on the ball. You have one, two, three, four, five, six. So if I'm not going to count him, then he's off the ball because he declared eligible. This guy. So yeah. who's eligible? That's the whole. That's the whole point. Is while they didn't declare and they say that the refs got it all wrong, this formation was illegal. Anyway, it's an illegal formation, and it right. shouldn't have been. The penalty shouldn't have been, you know, illegal touching. It should have been illegal formation because this is just all. Sorts of screwed up. You, you, I mean, and that's what Jordan Lewis said after the game is who's on the ball, who's off the ball. And he's basically said, hey, we knew that somebody wasn't right. And he might be just saying that to cover his tracks, but um, I see what Dan Campbell and co were trying to do. But at the end of the day, it just didn't make sense to keep uh, oh, lost my train of thought here. Basically, what I'm saying is if Reynolds is off the line, well, now you only have six guys on the line right now because Amon Ra is off the line of scrimmage too. Yeah. So it's like who's right. on, who's off. That's what I was trying to get at. And then bottom line, after the penalty, you know, I see what Dan Campbell and the Lions are trying to do there. But at the end of the day, it just doesn't make sense to keep going for it. They probably should have just kicked the points, gone in overtime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I will give him props for sticking to his guns because – that is Dan Campbell. But that I think that's the big talking point about that play. It's like, yeah, it was an illegal touching, but you know, you go back and look at the film, it's like I can't even tell who's on, who's off, and who's supposed to be catching the ball. Because if right. Reynolds is yeah. covering him and he's downed, he can't go out for the ball anyway. Right. And so then if you flip it to the other side, if Amonro's on the line, then it's an illegal formation because you're covering up the guy that's going to go out for the other pass. Right. So, yeah, it was just a. And, I mean, and I, the crazy thing too is, is they they shifted into that formation. They shifted into an illegal formation. Yeah. Um, which again, Damon Rob was already on the line of scrimmage over there, but um, Montgomery and the tight end moved to a different location, and it didn't change a thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's. I'm not making an argument that that like Dallas got away with it because they let right. them walk down the score the end. You know, it basically came down to the wire. But I'm saying that I understand what the refs were thinking there and that maybe that that wasn't the right penalty call. 
but that was not an, uh, that was not a legal formation. Right. So yeah, that, and, that's the whole wrap up on that. <laughs> yeah, and that's good. A game analysis there, and that kind of takes us directly into the tracking with the boys segment. You know, Dallas defeating Detroit off of that twenty to nineteen. Um, at AT&T Stadium. You know, there's a couple of big moments in this game. You know, this specifically, the defense played pretty well for the most part. Most of the game, they played exceptional. They had the interception late. And what I wanted to cover specifically was before we even got to the situation to where they could go for two, they got a – and Aaron Rodgers talked about this too, but we were talking about it um, on Twitter saying that <clears> – <throat> Hendershot, when he was called for the tripping, number 89, the tight end, on first and 10 at the 31-yard line, right after the interception by Jared Goff, you saw a tripping call called on Dallas Cowboys, when in reality it was actually the Lions defender Hutchinson who, clear as day, sticks his leg out and trying to trip. Um, So since they threw the flag, they need to call it on the right person. But in reality, a flag should have never really been thrown because the tripping was never committed. Now, yes, they he tried to, but usually they call it when a when a tripping is successful. Um, but this would been it would have been a 15 yard penalty from the 30 yard line or, or so, putting the ball close inside the 15 yard line um, in Detroit territory, setting Dallas up with the first and ten, uh, minimal timeouts, and you know they could chew a lot more clock and game manage. Which, by the way, the play that preceded that on second and 14 throwing a 60-yard sky bomb um, was the dumbest call I've ever seen, and it is why Dallas also got into the position that they got into. You know, instead of just running the ball and making the Lions waste their one timeout that they have left and then running another play and costing another 40 seconds, taking a penalty, scooting it back, and punting it away and giving them less than a minute to score with no timeouts, you instead decided to throw the ball, then run it on third down, then call a timeout, and they have – just under two minutes to throw with uh, no timeouts and then get absolutely mollywhopped down the field in about five plays um, to score a touchdown. And I get told that this this team is defensive-led. That's two games in a row now, but we counted on the defense to make a stop when it counted after our offense put points on the board to get ahead late and nothing happened. And we Yeah, I think the the big point to what you – everything you just said is – Dan Campbell's fumbles right there at the end really covers up for the fact that McCarthy about blew that game away yes. with the offensive play calling. Yes. Um, you know, the thing that I have is, like, we couldn't run the ball to save our life the entire game. And you, you could go back and read our text messages, and I was basically saying, like, here comes another first down run, and we'd get zero yards. I think besides that 120-yard game by Pollard right there for that third down late in the game, uh, we couldn't run the ball. But then – when we needed to run the ball, we threw a deep ball down the side. It's like, why didn't we do that earlier in the game? Let's just run the ball, get, like Jared said, kill this clock, and leave it up to the, the defense. But, yeah, I, I, Jared's leading right into the other note I have is I have a bone to pick with our defense. This is back-to-back games, like Jared said, where we played pretty well throughout the game, but it just let the opponent walk down the field with no problem when it mattered. Exactly. So I've been unimpressed with D, DQ, Dan Quinn, as DC against good teams. If this happens in the playoffs where they, a team just walks up and down the field on us, then it's time to let him go, in my opinion. Um, he has way too much talent on that side of the ball to be having these kind of issues. 
Yeah. So I, I, I'm getting really fed up with, you know, hearing how we're supposed to be a defensive-led team or we're going to lean on our defense. And when we need to lean on our defense, they just kind of cower. So I don't know how much longer that's going to last, but I'm afraid the thing that concerned me basically about this entire game was if the coaching decisions keep up like that, Dallas doesn't have a chance to win anything. Yes. So that's basically all I have for that game. I think we covered all the big moments. Dak was nails. CD yep. had a massive game, a massive game, and it cemented him basically as a 88 legend. He now leads a single-season leader for the Dallas Cowboys all-time of receptions and receiving yards. So he's been an absolute dog this year. And uh, Dak showed up when it mattered. Had two beautiful throws yep. uh, to Cooks that went on third down bucket right in the bucket and then right there at the end uh for the touchdown to put him ahead um but i mean that's the thing that happened for the offense is the last two games you know they might have struggled throughout the game but Dak came in when it mattered and against miami came in and played really well um right there at that last drive was absolute nails and then um against detroit right here we're down you know I think we're tied 13-13, and we go down and drop it right in the bucket for a touchdown. So Exactly. Yeah, and you're transitioning perfectly into the Dak Prescott, which is why I kind of um, subliminally put that put the passing chart up there. So if you're watching, we got the passing chart up there. Um, Dak Prescott, 26 of 38, 300, 345 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, with a plus 3.9% CPOE. Um, a lot of green dots in the field. It's a lot of throws and a lot of completions. And we got an absolute nuke. That's the 92-yard touchdown to C.D. Lamb. You know, over 30 or shit, that's 40 yards down the field, a 40-plus yard air throw. Um, and then he had another touchdown right at about 15 yards. And that interception came towards the boundary on the right side. But most of this was C.D. Lamb um, catching and running with the football. He was incredible all game. Um, like Ryan said, I mean, masterclass performance. But, uh, you know, the one thing I want to um, pick on with this offense, you know, especially with the with um, the running game being as um, bad as it's been, um, arguably, or to quote the medical guy, it seems like we should put more creativity into our run game like we do into our passing game. And I just it just seems so basic and vanilla when we run it. But in, in accordance to the DAC on track segment, if you really watch the Dallas Cowboys – the entire offense is Dak Prescott. If yeah. Dak Prescott does not show up, um, even just a little bit, or if the passing game isn't going to be, you know, 300-plus yards, two-plus touchdowns, we're going to get squashed. And if you have any other quarterback in there on that roster besides Dak, I mean, the whole thing just comes crashing down. Yeah, but the other flip side of that, too, is like if we don't find out how to run the football, then – that's They're what I'm saying. Trouble. That's so. exactly what I'm saying. Exactly. Um, but uh, to give a you know letter grade here um, is I would like to give Dak an like an A minus here, right around like a, a you know a ninety You know I understand he had the interception, but he did what was needed to be done. Throwing for three hundred forty plus yards. You know he, his escapability and mobility really shined in this game. Um, thank God. Dak Prescott did not get an injury. Um, fuck Aiden Hutchinson. Two drop hit hit drop tackles on Dak Prescott on two sacks. 
but what the second one looked like it was going to tear Dak's ankle apart. But luckily, Terrence Steele um, was able to hold up Aiden Hutchinson. But two two drop tackles, uh, like I understand, like if a guy is running away from you up the field and you have to hit drop, I understand that. But when you get into the backfield to sack the quarterback and just drop your weight, I I, I just think. I, I don't know. If you're going to ban a tackle, I don't mind hitting a quarterback square in the face mask and I get let, let these guys play. <laughs> it just it just seemed unnecessary. Um, but, yeah, that's A- minus for Dak Prescott. Dexter. Yeah, I'll give, him, I'll give him a B plus only because there's a couple times in this game where it was like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen here. What are we doing? And then, but like I said earlier, he, he showed up when it mattered. And pulled through. And I didn't realize the stat line looked like this either. I mean, that's a great 26-38, to 345-2 touchdowns. The one interception was not great. But, uh, you know, he's still on his pace this year to have, um, I think, under 10 interceptions, right? He's still at, he's at eight now, right? I believe he's at eight. Yeah, seven yeah, or eight. So he's having – he's doing it. He's doing what he said he's going to do. Yeah, and so, uh, no, he's got to go out there and just completely shit the bed against Washington. Um, I don't think his, so. To break his promise. But, you know, the Cowboys, let's do a little brief predictions for week 18. I mean, we're going against the 4 and 12 Washington Commanders away in Washington on the weekend closest to January 6th. So a lot can happen in terms of this game um, being right next to the Capitol um, <laughs> in, in Washington. You never know. I mean, the America's team comes down there and you get. A bunch of uh, you know football players in the stadium. A statement could be made by some uh, uh, neo Nazis, but um, yeah, I, I don't really want to touch too much on this game because it should be a blowout. You know, Dallas should do their jobs. I have them just like a basic score. I don't know why I feel like it's going to be like this. But I literally have them winning twenty eight to fourteen. Just like if if no field goals were kicked, um, just wishy washy. Like Dallas could set twenty eight to seven late in the game and you're like, ah, it's the ball game. And then they score a last minute touchdown and Sam Howell like gets a touchdown or something. But I think it should be a slow and steady paced game preventative injuries, but Dallas will make sure to secure the win no matter the cost. Um, and then I'll let you do yours and I'll finish with my mama's to let you Cowboys. Yeah. So I have three notes. I think Dallas really wants this game. And I think, Dak always plays good against divisional opponents. You know, we've yes. quoted that a million times on this podcast. And I think what everybody's going to throw in your face this, this week is everyone you know is going to quote the Week 18 game last year. And <laughs> Dallas just put up a nothing burger. Yeah. But the second note I have is this year is different. Um, they control their own destiny, and they're playing for themselves. They, you know, last year I told Jared and – you know, we had these conversations that I felt like we were scoreboard watching. We saw that the Niners and the Eagles were taking care of their game. <laughs> yeah. And we were just like, all right, everybody shut it down. <laughs> so we were like, all right, shut it down. We're, we're just running on the ball, running. Hitch routes, we're done. So this the year Giants scored. No huddle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So on top of that, I think Washington is not the same as they were last year. They basically sold out this season. They're done. So um, I think Dallas wins convincingly and secures the NFC East division along with the second seed in the NFC, 34-17. to 17, And I think our starters are out by the third or fourth quarter. So I think I think Washington's going to want to play spoiler, but I think Dallas is going to be like, no, it's our time. It's finally like we're, we're going to come in. 
we're going to get that second seed. We're going to win the NFC East. And I, I say 34-17. I think they've rocked them like they did last time. And it makes the most sense because we have not had a repeat divisional winner in the NFC East in, what, over a decade or something? And I was like, wow, this is going to be the first year that the Eagles are actually going to do it. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> um, all right. And then last but not least, we got our mamas to let your Cowboys. Um, oh gosh. Uh, sorry. Mamas to let your Cowboys blow home field. Of, or, uh, <laughs> mamas to let your Cowboys uh, enter the wild card with a, um, with a massive L. Um, at home, don't blow the home field advantage. Um, you know, we got to win this game against Washington, secure that number two seed, and then just we want to. I want to win big against Washington to secure some large momentum for an up for our upcoming opponent. Um, I had a little typo there, that's why I was all confused. But, um, but I was like, we're not playing at home, <laughs> but I was I was jumping ahead to the wild card weekend, so don't blow home field advantage in the playoffs, beat whoever your opponent is, and um carry some big momentum into the playoffs. Well, I've got mamas, don't let your Cowboys think ahead. Go one and know and finish. You have the opportunity in front of you that avoids what our team apparently fears the most, the road. So <laughs> let's let's go one and know and let's avoid playing on the road in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, no shit. That would be great. All right. And this was track 28. Um, this is our first podcast of the new year. Um, keep in mind, the playoffs are coming up. So our, our uh, script and our outline is going to be completely different. Um, we're going to be covering, you know, in-depth playoff matchups. Probably we're going to be predicting upcoming games. Um, we're really going to be selling our souls on this one for the playoffs. Uh, the Cowboys, we're going to be, um, of course, Riding the wagon. So, but once the season ends, we're going to implement a whole lot of really fun stuff. We've been talking about it for years. It's it's because it's all been in the works. We're planning it. Um, so keep in mind, season two of the track podcast coming late February, early March. So we'll have a new and revamped season two, new and improved, the latest and greatest. But like I mentioned before, if you haven't, uh, followed or liked, followed this podcast. Or if you're a first time listener, or if you are uh, a repeated listener, remember to like, follow, and subscribe this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at track.pod or at TikTok at the track pod. Um, you can find us on Twitter at the same user tag, the track pod. Um, and of course, in all of our bios in there, you can find our link tree, which gives you access to the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, and more. Um, so, shattering the script every Wednesday. We will see y'all next week. And we will see if the Dallas Cowboys pull out their wick, their victory against the uh, the Commanders. And our first week wildcard weekend will be up there with second seed, hopefully intact. Um, so, happy New Year to everybody, the analysts. Thank you for joining. I am your host, the Rook. As always, and we will see y'all next Wednesday. All yes, right, go Cowboys! How about them? How about them Cowboys? Congrats to Jimmy Johnson, by the way, as well. <laughs> Peace.